0: Welcome to Straight from the CPA's Mel, your connection to the Heshi CPA Knowledge Center, Alberta CPAs, and business professionals. This podcast, presented by the CPA Education Foundation, features Alberta chartered professional accountants and others sharing their expertise and insights on a wide range of topics. Tune in regularly for eye-opening looks on leadership, business, education, and many issues of the day, straight from the CPA's Mouth. Before we begin, in honor of the 94 calls to action put forth by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada, we'd like to acknowledge that CPA Education Foundation offices are situated on the traditional Treaty 6 and Treaty 7 territories. The foundation acknowledges that we reside on traditional and ancestral territories of many Indigenous, First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples. Their histories and culture influence our community to this day. The CPA Education Foundation is committed to helping build a province where Indigenous peoples and their voices and experiences are heard, valued, respected, and celebrated. Welcome back to another episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth. My name is Nikkei Fabi with the CPA Education Foundation, the charitable arm of the CPA profession in Alberta, and I'll be your host for this episode. November marks the start of Financial Literacy Month, a time when private, public, and nonprofit organizations across Canada are encouraged to share resources that empower Canadians to understand their finances. According to a global financial literacy survey conducted by the Programme for International Student Assessment, Canadian youth are among the best in the world when it comes to financial literacy. Results showed that 15 year old Canadian students who talk about money with their parents scored the highest among their peers in the testing. This confirms that our behaviors in adulthood are often shaped during our childhood. So as parents, guardians, or mentors, how do we teach children the basics of money management so they can build healthy financial futures? Joining me today via Zoom is Robin Tobe, CPA, CA. Robin holds a Bachelor of Commerce with high distinction from the Rotman School of Management at the University of Toronto and has held professional positions in both audit and taxation at two of Canada's largest accounting firms. More recently, Robin is a professional speaker and author of The Wisest Investment, teaching your kids to be responsible, independent, and money smart for life. Let's hear Robin's thoughts on teaching our children about money straight from the CPA's mouth. Robin, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Nikkei. So I do feel like we have a lot to discuss and I'm very excited to be chatting with you. Um, so I guess I wanted to ask, you know, you have experience at accounting firms, some of Canada's top accounting firms, you have experience at Citibank. So what was the motivation behind The Wisest Investment? Why did you decide to write a book?
1: The true driving factor behind the book was to help other parents Um, do what I was able to do for my own kids, and that is to teach them about money and help them become responsible, independent, money smart young adults. And as a CPA, CA, by background and having worked in accounting and finance and business my entire career, I felt really well equipped to do that. But I know that for a lot of parents, this is a really challenging, difficult subject. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, studies have shown that parents have tried to teach their kids about money, but many don't feel they've been successful, and they don't always know what information they need. So I felt like a book like a book like this could really help other parents when it comes to this really important issue.
0: Absolutely. As I mentioned earlier, parents who talk to their children about money seem to test, you know, higher on financial literacy acumen. Mm-hmm. So what do you think the importance of talking to your children about money is?
1: I saw that article, too, by the way. It was in the Calgary Herald, the one that you're referring to with that that study. And mm-hmm. um, I thought that was great because it really reinforces... My whole philosophy, which is that, you know, parents have this really crucial and important role to play when it comes to teaching their kids. And the reasons why is that uh, if we don't teach our kids about money and I'll say we meaning parents, but it might be grandparents as well or other family members, older siblings our kids will be lacking a basic life skill. Financial literacy is a basic life skill and that could lead to financial struggles down the road when the stakes are higher. And if we don't teach our kids about money, they may suffer from money stress. And the research shows that money is the largest source of stress more than work or relationships or or health. And in fact, money stress can lead to health issues, physical and mental health issues like anxiety and depression, even heart disease and um, high blood pressure. And then thirdly, if we don't teach our kids about money, they may start to form bad habits, mm-hmm. like living beyond their means that become difficult to break as they get older. So those are three important, really important reasons why I think it's so crucial to teach our kids about money.
0: Absolutely. And I think really by not, like you mentioned, we're kind of doing our children a disservice because it could have longer term impacts on, you know, mental or even physical health.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think if, you know, if you struggle financially as a parent, I think you want better for your kids. You don't want them to make the same mistakes that you've made and you want them to have an easier time of things. And and I think you also know the importance of this life skill Mm -hmm. um, in terms of being able to make responsible financial decisions throughout your life.
0: Absolutely. So speaking, you know, of parents who may fall into, you know, that category, or even just some general advice of parents who might struggle financially as well, how do we begin talking to our children about money, especially in a situation maybe where our own financial situation isn't the most favorable?
1: Yeah. And that is one of the challenges for parents is feeling that they're not good at this themselves. Like, how can I teach my kids if I'm not even doing this right myself? So I try to encourage parents um, to look at this as something that they can do with their kids and, um, you know, try to get your own financial house in order first so that you can lead by example. But um, again, don't feel like you have to wait until you've got everything perfect to start doing this because No one's perfect. Um, Everyone makes mistakes with money. And, you know, it's just a question of how you learn from those mistakes and what you do differently going forward. So, you know, your kids are naturally curious. Mm-hmm. And they may actually be the ones that open up the discussions. Uh, they may start asking you questions about how money works. And, and you know, if they see you using your, a debit or credit card, they may or your phone even to pay for things, they may ask you about that. Or they may ask for something that they've seen an ad for that their friends have. So just those little openings are ways that you can begin the conversation with them. Um, you know, another really important thing is that financial literacy is being taught in school across Canada. Yes. In every province and territory. So you can ask your kids what they're learning about money in school as well and try to, you know, to integrate some of those conversations or build on those.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So so those are, you know, just a few ways that you can find an in to start having these conversations. That's great. And one thing you mentioned was
0: the importance of kind of having your own house in order. So Mm -hmm. are there certain um, tips you could give parents um, to have these conversations? What type of things should they be aware of and mindful of in order to get their house in order to speak to their children?
1: Right. So I actually, in the book, The Wisest Investment, I talk about these 11 healthy habits of financial management. Okay. And they're... um, General rules or guidelines that, that parents can follow uh, to get their own financial habits in order. So f- examples would be, um, you know, knowing where you stand financially. So preparing uh, your your net worth and your and your budget, your cash flow on a regular basis, and reviewing it. The uh, another habit would be the importance of living within your means. And paying yourself first. And another example would be the importance of having a financial safety net. So that would be an emergency fund and um, adequate insurance as well. So those are just a few examples, but there are, I think I just listed four. So there's an additional seven in the book, Mm -hmm. and they all hit different areas of personal finance, but they're all equally important. And these are things that you can also talk to your kids about. So You know, some parents are afraid they're going to get these uncomfortable questions when they start talking to their kids about money, like, you know, are we rich or how much money do you make or how much is our mortgage, right? And that's another barrier why parents avoid the topic. But uh, these healthy habits can be used as, as general principles so that you can have an open and honest conversation with your kids without getting into some of the specific numbers that you may feel they're either too young or too immature. It's just not age appropriate for them to know yet.
0: Mm -hmm. So as a parent yourself, um, do you have any stories that you would like to share about how you started talking to your kids about money? So for me, like my
1: kids are now 24 and 26. So when I think back, it's hard for me to remember When I started, because I feel like it was always part of the conversation in our house. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband is also a CPA, CPA, CA by training. And so finance and business and that kind of stuff was never something that was a taboo topic in our house. It was something that we did talk about. So I do remember my kids had piggy banks like most young kids do. And I do remember them using those piggy banks and then eventually they... Open, you know, I remember taking them to the bank and opening up their first bank account, which was a youth account, which is a special account designed for young savers, which have normally like very like maybe no fees at all right. or minimal fees, and they, I mean, they don't pay a lot of interest, but it's just a great teachable moment to get your kids um, to understand like what comes after a piggy bank. So I remember doing that with my kids. And, you know, I also remember them taking um, some coins to school on Fridays because they used to collect money for charity in their classrooms. So I remember talking to them about what that was all about and sharing with those who are less fortunate than us. So, you know, lots of little things. And then as they got older, of course, you know, we got into things like getting a job for the summer and budgeting for university and all that stuff. But like, it is a long time ago when I think about my kids and I, and I was, when you asked me that, I was like, how did I start it off with them? But it's like, I think it was just something we always talked about. Right. No, that's great. So
0: I do want to talk a little bit more about your book, The Wisest Investment. Um, your book mentions, you know, the five pillars of money. So mm-hmm. what are they and how do you explain them uh, to children?
1: Right. So I tried to come up with a framework or a structure to help parents figure out what to talk about at the different ages and stages of their of their kids' lives. So what I came up with was what I call the five pillars of money. And they are earn, save, spend, share, and invest. So those are the five pillars. And then there are four stages of childhood that I've identified as young kids, five to eight, preteens, nine to 12, teenagers, 13 to let's say uh 17, 18, and then emerging adults, uh, you know, 18 plus. So what I've tried to do in the book is I've created a chapter for each of those four stages: young kids, preteens, teens, and emerging adults. And when within each chapter, I talk about the five pillars of money. Uh, again, earn, save, spend, share, and invest. But the what's special is that within each of these chapters the specific teaching points the anecdotes the examples that illustrate the five pillars are going to be very age specific and age appropriate and as you'll see they're going to become more sophisticated as your kids get older because the things that they're dealing with in their lives under those five pillars are becoming you know a little more complicated a little more sophisticated So the book is really meant to to help you really zero in on what, you know, what did my kids need to know about earning at this age? What do they need to know about sharing at another age? And, you know, I I know parents are busy and I know that's another one of the challenges is feeling like they don't have the time or the opportunity to teach their kids. So I tried to make the book really digestible Mm -hmm. so that they could just zero in on the chapter that, Uh, covers the stage their child is at now, or even if there's a specific issue that's come up, they could find that, you know, that specific topic within one of the chapters.
0: I think that's fantastic. And do you think, in your experience, do you think it's something that should be like quite formalized or is this something that can just happen casually, you know, a dinner conversation or, you know, you're spending some money at the grocery
1: store or shopping and are those, is that a good time to incorporate some of that? Yeah, those are great examples, Nikkei. And I don't think it should be formalized because I think then it becomes something that doesn't happen or uh, it just feels like, too structured. So I tell parents to look for these teachable moments, an opportunity to build a money lesson naturally into your day-to-day lives as you go about your business, like just what you were saying. So if you're going grocery shopping and you prepare a list based on the meals that you've planned for the week, you can talk about comparison shopping and getting value for money. And then when you actually go and you pay the bill, or if, even if you're doing it online, you can talk to your kids about different ways you pay for things. Like, are you using a debit card or a credit card? Are you using cash perhaps? Unlikely, but maybe. <laughs> um, and, and just taking advantage of the fact that we're constantly transacting um, every single day. And your kids are, are really observant. They are watching and listening and learning from you. So either they're going to ask you, how something works, or you can introduce it. You can say, "Oh, hey, you know, um, if you notice, I'm going over our, our budget for the month, and the reason I do this is because we have to make sure we have enough money for all the things we need and the, some of the things that we want." And you know, depending again on your child's age, you could get into some of the lawn items on your budget, or it could be just something as simple as them seeing you use your phone when you drive through to get coffee. Mm-hmm. And they're like, how are you paying on your phone? You know, so just whatever it happens to be, they they are going to crop up everywhere. So you don't need to carve out like formal structured sit down time.
0: Okay. that's That's really good to know. So I did just want to quickly revisit Um, those different categories you've identified um, in your book, The Wisest Investment. So um, when should we begin talking to our children about money? How early is too early? Is there such a thing?
1: It depends on your kid and you're going to know your kid best. Some kids are really precocious and curious and they're going to be ready at maybe even three. But I think in general, most kids are ready around the age of five. And that's, coincides with when they start preschool. They're around other children and they see what other kids have and do. And they're just, you know, out in the world a little bit more. So there's never a too early. I would say as soon as your kid starts asking about it, they're ready, but maybe not to wait too much longer after they're five, because the earlier you start, um, the earlier you can lay that foundation and start teaching them about earn, save, spend, share, and invest, five pillars. And then you just continue to build on that as your kids get older.
0: That's fantastic. I don't want to give too much away because obviously we want to encourage people to read your book, but what types of conversations are appropriate at different ages? Can you give us just an example of, you know, one age category and then kind of walk us through a couple of those
1: five pillars? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think like the best example, my go-to example for young kids is let's say you use a multi-slotted piggy bank. And what that looks like is it's shaped like a piggy bank, but instead of one slot, there are four slots. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah. For save, spend, share and invest. And it is a great idea because it makes these money choices really tangible. And even young kids earn money because they get allowance perhaps, or they get money for holidays or for birthdays or, you know, if the tooth fairy pays a visit. So even at that young age, they can start to make that connection that when you earn money, you have to make choices about what you're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's kind of that, that multi slotted piggy bank covers almost all the bases. So it's, it's a really great tool. And again, like with young kids, you want to start with cash because it's tangible and concrete and it's easy for them to understand, right? Because talking about digital money is, or, you know, electronic payment, it's, it's too conceptual. It'd be really hard for like a a young child to understand that. So, um, you know, with preteens, they're already becoming a little more independent They're out in the real world without you. So you have different opportunities there to to teach lessons that are appropriate for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, they may be in a position to like do some odd jobs like babysitting or maybe refereeing sports. And as I mentioned with my own kids, you know, they may be outgrowing their piggy bank. So that's when it would be time to open a youth account for them at the bank. And you can talk to them about, you know, why having your money at the bank is safer and more secure and about the concept of interest and, you know, how the bank will pay you. I mean, maybe not on a youth account very much, but in general, um, you know, if you keep your money at the bank, they pay you interest on it. But if you have to borrow money from the bank, then you have to pay interest. So, um, you know, once they become teens, I think, you know, you're looking at their first real job possibly. And they're also, spending more than they would have been when they were younger because they may have their license. They may be driving. um, You know, they're definitely going to be out with their friends a lot more and Mm -hmm. probably doing things. Mm -hmm. And so you have to talk to them about having some kind of simple spending plan or budget and about the difference between needs and wants and even being a good consumer, like how to get the most out of your money. And then moving on to emerging adults, I mean, this also goes with the teenage years is that, you know, if they're depending what they're planning to do after high school, if they're going to post-secondary, then a lot of planning needs to go into how to pay for that investment because it's expensive, as you know, and a lot of students come out with Student loans. So, just having those conversations around what's the plan for after high school? What's the budget going to look like? Where's the money going to come from? Do we have RESPs? Um, can you get scholarships or bursaries? You know, are we lo- looking at student loans or other forms of borrowing? Um, and then, you know, at this age, once they've reached the age of majority, they'd be eligible for a credit card of their own. So talking about how credit cards work, because that's a biggie. We take for granted as adults that we understand how they work, but teenagers don't really know, especially if they have been using a supplementary card on the family's mm-hmm. card, then you know, you'd be paying the bill. They just don't understand it. So before they get to university or you know, college or whatever they're doing, it's really important that you explain to them how credit cards work. Right. You're so right. Right.
0: It's very important because I remember in my first year of university, you, know, you have welcome week and it's so exciting. And then there's all these banks lined up to just, you know, offer <laughs> you a credit card.
1: And it seems so, so tempting, but right. don't do it. <laughs> and it, it seems so grown up, right? To have your own credit card. But I think some people mistakenly or naively just assume it's kind of free money they just without knowing how they work they just don't understand that you're borrowing that it's buy now pay later and that you you know you have that grace period until the credit card statement comes due to pay your balance and that's again one of those mistakes that can be made that can be expensive to dig out of if it gets out of control Mm -hmm. so you know one of the reasons I try to encourage parents to start teaching their kids early is so that they can make mistakes when the stakes are low Mm -hmm. and you know if they get used to managing money and they have those opportunities then when they get older there's less chance that they'll be making like these more expensive mistakes that are harder to dig out of.
0: Absolutely. And I think that kind of goes back to like those teachable moments, how you just kind of incorporate them into everyday conversations so that they can make those mistakes, like you said, when the risks are lower.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So I wanted to ask you, because you said, you know, at the kind of early, early ages, it's best to teach with cash. Mm -hmm. So how do we I guess, teach our children about money um, in a cashless society, especially more
1: towards that, like preteen emerging adults? Right. So once you open that youth account, let's say as a preteen, most of them will come with a debit card. And especially as a result of COVID, I mean, that the pandemic has really accelerated this movement towards cashless and towards mostly using digital electronic forms of payment. It was happening before, but it really mm-hmm. accelerated. And, you know, I've talked to parents who told me, who have told me that their kids had to get debit cards and had to learn how to use them during COVID because stores, many stores just stopped accepting cash, you know, it just, they were, there was concern that it could be carrying the virus and all this stuff. So we have to accept that that's the world that we're living in. And, I think technology can really help in this area. So once they understand that a debit card means that the funds are coming out of your account right away as opposed to a credit card, um, you know, they understand there has to be money in the account in order for them to use the card to tap or however they're using it. I mean, that really is the first step. But the second step would be to um, use the technology that is available in, in their mobile banking app and our kids are on their phones all the time they're really good at using them and most of the big banks in Canada have these tools built into mobile banking that can help you track your spending create budgets monitor your account balances and uh, even like create notifications and alerts so you can set up these notifications like each time you spend money from an eligible account. So let's say from your debit account, every time you do a transaction, you're going to get a notification on your phone or your smart watch, letting you know you've spent money. And those reminders can bring back the feeling of parting with cash because we do lose that when we're not using cash, that pain of loss when you part with cash. Yeah, it, it disappears a little bit when we're just tapping and using plastic and phones. So using those you know, alerts and notifications will bring that back and you'll get that visceral sense and reminder that, okay, yeah, that was actually, I really did spend money and that's coming in my account or I'm going to see it on my credit card statement. So I encourage, you know, you and your kids to use those tools as much as possible.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think that's a really good place um, to end things uh, for part one. I appreciate you taking the time to share your expertise. I'm, I'm sure many of our listeners have found your advice invaluable. Um, in two weeks, Robin will be joining us again for part two of our financial literacy series, uh, where we'll discuss building a budget and reaching financial milestones. So thank you so much,
1: Robin. Thank you for having me again. Okay, thanks.
0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth. This episode featured Robin Tobe, CPA, CA, professional speaker and author of The Wisest Investment: Teaching Your Kids to Be Responsible, Independent, and Money Smart for Life. Don't forget to subscribe to the Straight from the CPA's Mouth mailing list for exclusive content. If you like what you're hearing, have ideas for future episodes, or have any feedback you'd like to share, email us at knowledgecenter at cpaalberta.ca or leave us a comment on social media. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Straight from the CPA's Mouth is produced by the CPA Education Foundation, the charitable arm of the CPA profession in Alberta. This podcast is made possible by Brian Heshi, FCPA, FCA. Thanks to Brian's generous donation, the Foundation created the Heshi CPA Knowledge Centre, a virtual hub of resources for all Albertans. Find out more about the Foundation and the Knowledge Centre at
1: cpaalberta.ca slash foundation.